In this episode, I use Pixar's new movie, Soul, to discuss co-regulation, connecting, self-regulation. There's a lot of pieces, and music. There are a lot of pieces to this episode. I also broaden this discussion on a larger group or social level as well. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist who is obsessed with the polyvagal theory and at this point look for it in every movie I see and every song I listen to. <laughs> and maybe you're like me. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. This episode, I don't think there's any sort of re-traumatizing or triggering content whatsoever. We're talking about Soul from Pixar. It's a fantastic movie. I highly, highly, highly recommend this one. Pixar does such a good job with the emotional content of their movies, but also the humor and depth of story, depth of characters. This one is phenomenal. I cannot highly, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's just the opening scene. There are no spoilers here. And I'm going to play a clip from it and kind of walk us through it. There's an opening scene that really, honestly, it, it touched me. There was, I, I, I wouldn't say I got misty, but it, it hit me in the feelings. All right. It was just something about it that spoke to me. And I thought I would share it with you and kind of discuss what I picked up that has some polyvagal significance, especially around co-regulation and really channeling your energy through uh, some sort of creative medium. I'm a creative person, so maybe that's kind of why it spoke, spoke to me. Let me give you the setup for the scene here real quick. The main character is named Joe Gardner, and he is trying out for Dorothea Williams. She is a jazz saxophonist uh, that he absolutely idolizes and his dream, one of his dreams is to play with her uh, live. And so he's getting that opportunity to try out to play with her quartet for that, that evening. His prior student is actually bringing him to meet. So you're going to hear three voices. One is the prior student, one is Joe, the main character, and the other one is Dorothea. For this first clip, what I want you to do is to listen to their voices and ask yourself which of them or are either of them in their safety state and what tells you that? And then I'll pause it, talk about it, and then we'll go to the, uh, a bit further. Hey, Dorothea, this is the cat I was telling you about. My old middle school band teacher, Mr. Gardner. Call me Joe, Dorothea. I, I mean, uh, Miss Williams. Uh, it's a pleasure. Wow, this is amazing. Uh, Joe is Ray Gardner's son. So, we're down to middle school band teachers now. Get on up here, teach. We ain't got all day. So far, who do you think had more access to their safety state? And the way we can tell that is by who has more vocal prosody. And vocal prosody is the full range of voice being able to go up and down. And if you don't have access to vocal prosody, that means your safe and social system is not activated enough to be able to utilize uh, your neck and, well, I guess the neck muscles. I don't know enough about anatomy in the neck. But basically, your neck muscles to be able to uh, fluctuate your voice in order to go up and down and have more of a sing-songy quality to it. And I would say that Dorothea at the end there definitely had a lower range of voice. She didn't seem very happy to, to meet with uh, Joe Gardner whatsoever, right? Joe, you could hear the excitement there. So he had some level of safety, 
but I also picked up some like flight energy, some anxiousness. And I think that as we play more into the clip, that'll become more obvious. What's coming up next is that Joe is going to sit down and play with the rest of the quartet. There's not going to be any more dialogue here off the bat. It's just music. So what I want you to pay attention to now is what's the music telling you? What state do you think these individuals might be in? And I think with Joe, it'll be a little bit more obvious, but see if, you can, if, we, if we can tease out from uh, Dorothea also. But I want you to notice what state are they kind of playing from? Where, where are they at? What, what, what are we playing? What do you think so far? Joe is on the piano. Uh, Dorothea is on the saxophone. What do you think so far? To me, what I'm hearing so far, and it's, it's about to develop further, but so far, Joe seems extremely unsure. I mean, obviously he was saying, what, what are we doing? What song are we playing? He was looking for instructions. He was looking for something concrete. And he got nothing in response. He didn't get any words. In the movie, he got no eye glances. He got nothing. They just started playing. By the end of that little segment, you probably heard that he started to join in in unison simply through listening to their music and then attuning into it. So he kind of felt their rhythm. He felt whatever state they're coming from. And he was able to join in and fit in. And, and what we're going to hear is that there's going to be a transition and it's going to turn into something else. But so far, I, I think that with Joe, we're hearing that anxious, maybe probably flight energy in there. Some, some anxious flight energy. So a lot of uh, doubt, not being sure. The first sounds, though, that he plays are very deep, like, boom, like deep, well, piano keys. But that's more, to me, that he's more of a shutdown kind of thing. Not full-on shutdown, but he's very, a lot of the movie is him coming out of this very lonely, disconnected place. Actually, a very disembodied place. And this is not, spoiler, this is not ruining anything. This is a, it's a big theme in the movie right off the bat. So he's coming into his feelings in a way he's coming into his body in this moment and we'll we'll see what happens uh next and actually before that dorothea her saxophone sounds very cool and calm and assured doesn't like you don't you just feel that when you hear it she's the leader of this group not just literally but in her playing in her confidence in her self-assuredness she is the leader and i th i think that it comes through in her music there's a there's a calmness there. There's assuredness. And to me, that does indicate that at least while she's playing, she's tapping into that safety, that social engagement, and that the others in the quartet are happily joining her and kind of coming along with her. So she's kind of like the leader of the pack in a way. But she's not this domineering, angry force that's commanding the quartet how to play. She is leading, through, well, through example. But she's leading through her ventral energy, I, I think. And Joe was able to tap into that, come out of his initial shutdown. Those first few keys are very shut down. Come out of that shutdown, join her where she's at. And then we're going to hear him 
utilize that, but also start to channel some other kind of energy, I think. So l listen for that. Sorry, I zoned out a little back there. <laughs> so something interesting happened there, right? Didn't it f completely shift? And it was kind of gradual, but eventually it was... He wasn't dominating the playing because she, at one point, gives him this little uh, hand motion, like, yeah, keep going. Like, she's gave him the approval to really, in my opinion, to tap into what he had inside of him. So he, she set the tone of calm, cool, safe and social. It, she was, she's not easy to connect with, but I think that everyone in that room feels safe. And yeah, they're anxious to be around her because she's an amazing uh, saxophonist. Is that the right word, saxophonist? I don't know. You get the idea. I think the majority of the anxiety that he might be feeling in this moment is because he's with someone who's he's excited to be around so there's some ventral energy but he has such admiration for her that he wants to impress her and that is kind of a is it's a neuroception of danger just from him she also does have the flatter tone of voice so that is a cue of danger as well but what happens is in this piece when it begins to shift what i'm hearing is that he's he's gotten permission from her. You don't see it, obviously, because it's a podcast. But she, he's gotten explicit permission from her to, to like really tap into his feelings and, and to go. And when, he, when she gives him that permission, basically she's saying, like, you're, you're ready. You know, in just this brief moment, she's saying, you're ready. He's feeling safe enough. He's synced with the rest of the band, or at least with her. He's in tune with his biology. He's feeling it. And then she gives him permission saying, okay, you're ready to go. And then you hear his music have very flighty, very, I mean, when you were listening to it, were you swaying back and forth or was it more of a jittery kind of feeling or was it more of a, a bopping up and down? For me, it was more of a jittery kind of uh, motion that my body would want to do. So that's, to me, that's very much a flighty. Kind of, it wasn't aggressive. It wasn't fight. To me, that's a lot of flight anxiety kind of stuff. And then there was definitely the deep bass sounds uh, coming in as well. So I think the safety energy was there and he got permission. I think he felt safe enough to really feel into 
uh, probably a couple of different energies he had going at the same time. And I think the shutdown was definitely a part of it. It was there. But the majority feel of that was this flight, uh, flight energy. And when you have the shutdown and flight active at the same time, it could be a freeze thing. He obviously is in, in a full-on freeze, although you could look at his life and, and say that in a larger theme, he, there is definitely some freeze stuff going on. He's, or at least some disconnection and some anxiety. Uh, and I think that he, that stuff's coming through in the music. As, the, as this segment progressed, it turned, especially right at the end there, it turned into, for me, a sway. It turned more into a slower feeling into and coming back to or up to the eventual vagal activation. The shutdown stuff and the flight stuff had kind of been integrated into the present moment. And he slowly kind of brought us out of there. I'm actually going to play that, that piece again right where I think is the crucial turning point. I'm going to play that segment here before discussing what happens afterwards. Hopefully you heard that right at the end there, that everything came together. It was very much this energy discharge, wasn't it? And right at the end there, there was this moment of pause. And then he says, well, he says this. Uh, sorry, I zoned out a little back there. <laughs> if freeze energy had a sound, of, of a discharging freeze energy had a sound, this could be it. It's so kind of all over the place now that I'm thinking about it more and I've heard it a couple times. It's really very all, all over the place. There's a deep shutdown stuff, a lot of flight energy. I wouldn't say there's aggression. I don't think there's flight energy in there. But there's also the safety that's keeping it and brings it. Because it, it's, it's very chaotic at first in that last segment. But then it does come together right at the end and it sort of harmonizes. Like it makes sense. It comes together. It's, it turns into more of a sway. And then it slowly kind of fades out. And I think that if freeze energy had a sound, if freeze energy discharging had a sound, that might be it. That could also be sympathetic energy returning or coming back from being in a severe shutdown and then feeling that sympathetic energy come up. It can, it can sound, it might sound like that. I mean, metaphorically, but it's, it's very kind of chaotic. And, but if your ventral vagal safe and social state is strong enough, your, um, your vagal break really, then it can tolerate that chaos and then eventually integrate it into the safe and social energy kind of it'll hold it the vagal break will contain that intense energy and turn it into something else but you have to be really well anchored in your safety state and that's i have a course it's called building safety anchors it's designed to help you build the strength of your vagal break by coming to the present moment and the more that you can build the tolerance level of these sympathetic defensive energies the more that you can allow them to discharge. But first, you have to build the strength of your vagal break. You have to build your capacity to be in the present moment. And building safety anchors is, that's what it's about, is to help you feel in the present moment. And it teaches you six different paths on how to do that. And music is one of those paths. So this, is a, this would be a really good opportunity for 
to use in, in that learning module. But uh, the environment is also one of the safety anchors. I cover that. I cover music. I cover thoughts. I cover senses. Yeah, building safety anchors, it's on my website. It's not for everybody. You really have to be ready to make change. You have to be ready to dedicate to like 30 days. Well, not like 30 days. It is 30 days. Dedicate to 30 days of learning and doing in small doses. It's not, I don't think it's overwhelming in small doses. And you can go to justinlmft.com to find out more, or I will also have a link in the description directly to it. Let's wrap up this segment because I I really like Dorothea's response to him. And I think you'll pick up that her, her, she has a shift within her, that something happens within her and that she has her own uh, polyvagal ladder shift. So see if you can pick up on it. Joe Gardner, where have you been? I've been uh, teaching middle school band, uh, uh, but on the weekends, I- You got a suit? I- Get a suit, Teach, a good suit. Back here tonight, first show's at nine, sound checks at seven. We'll see how you do. Yes! Woohoo! You see that, Dad? That's what I'm talking about! Okay, so it wasn't just Dorothea that had a, a, a polyvagal shift there. You can hear in Joe's voice at the end there also that he absolutely has way more ventral activation. He's excited, but it's in a playful way, not an anxious way. So he has lots of his own ventral vagal activation. He's excited. He's feeling playful. He's shouting out in public. You don't see it in podcasts, obviously, but he's shouting out in public. But with Dorothea, you probably heard, well, well, she was first off just way more interested in him and what he can do. So he piqued her interest. But her range of voice shifted. She was able to go up and down. And let me, let me play for you her piece of that again. So I want you to listen for that. Listen to her ability to go up and down. Because at the beginning, it was just down. There was just the deeper sound in her voice. But in this clip, I want you to listen for her more uh, up and down range. Back here tonight. First show's at 9. Sound check's at 7. We'll see how you do. Did you hear how she was able to use her voice to to show her meaning? She was able to, she had a full range of whatever neck muscles are, <laughs> are utilized in vocal prosody. So at first she was in this little smaller clip, at first she said, be here at a certain time, right? And it was flatter. It was more monotone because she was, she was saying, she was showing through her voice that she was serious. But then at the end, she says, we'll see how you do. And she picked up her voice showing she's interested. And, and that she, there's more of a connection implied there, right? She's more interested in Joe in, as a part of the quartet and how they can work with each other. So there's more in this tiny clip, right, that I just played, the more tiny clip, there seems to be more ventral activation. So she's not just the cool person that he walked into the room and met awkwardly. She's now the cool person who has more ventral activation and is more inviting, but also has very clear standards about what he should wear and what time he should be there. And you can tell she has high expectations, but she's also this really safe and also very cool person. Again, I do highly recommend you watch this. But also in the movie, she does have more um, direct eye contact and she has less flat uh, facial affect. It's just something to keep an eye out for when you watch the movie. So I wonder if we can take this simple concept and kind of amplify it, extrapolate it to more of our daily living and how we connect with each other. Because I, th- I think this says a lot about how we're drawn to each other. We, 
we communicate obviously with and without words. You already know that. But I think in particular, we're drawn to people that are similar to us. And I, I don't mean similar as far, well, yeah, we are drawn to the people maybe who have similar identity pieces or political pieces or, you know, that, that kind of stuff. But I think what I'm uh, more interested in for this conversation is that we're drawn to people who have similar interests or similar passions because on that level, we kind of get each other more, right? So illustrators, I'm, I'm an illustrator. I like to draw, I like to color, I like to do, you know, that, that's what I'm into. But in, in particular, I like to do like comic book style. I grew up on comic books and that's like infused within me. And when I draw, I very much have this sort of comic booky kind of style to it. So I can interact with other illustrators and we can get each other. But when I interact with other comic style illustrators, we get each other a lot differently. Like with just a sort of instant connection. And especially if they're the more um, hobby or amateurish, because there's different levels of it then there's even more of a connection because we just sort of instantly know the pieces of what that involves, right? And of course, this is going to be similar as far as politics and culture and all these different identity pieces as well. But when it comes to this clip and what I'm talking about here, the focus more is more on passions and similar interests on that level. Musicians kind of, don't you like get, just kind of get each other? I'm not a musician whatsoever, but for those of you who are like, don't you just sort of get each other? Isn't there just like a natural interest toward other musicians? Or if you're into yoga or if you're into freestyle rapping or breakdancing or, or if you're an athlete, don't you just sort of, aren't you just like more interested in people who are similar, who have similar passions? And don't you just sort of just get each other in a different way? And even though any of these things that I listed could be competitive and they are potentially even outright aggressive, there's there's still this sort of instant connection, right? And I think that's what this speak, this clip speaks to is that there's a similar interest and there's a similar acceptance that whatever stuff, whatever political state that you're in, that it's actually okay to bring that to these creative, especially the creative outlets, but also, yeah, I guess the athletic as well. But all these creative outlets, these creative passions, it's okay to bring that polyvagal defensive energy to these. And the people that get each other, it's okay to not only bring it, but to show it. When an artist comes from their polyvagal energy, even the defensive energy, it speaks to the viewer in general in a different way. But when you, if, if an artist were to you know, be by themselves and attempt to channel that, they could. But if they were with other artists who somehow, you know, gave them permission to or said like, no, it's okay to be you, to feel you and to let it out in a creative way, I think that it'd be a different experience. Actually, I know it's a different experience. I, I draw by myself all the time, especially during quarantine. But I used to spend a lot of time on my artwork and create different comics and stuff. And I can do that on my own just fine. But when I was with other creators, other illustrators in particular, and those who do more comic book style, there's just this like okayness to, to whatever you bring. There's a lack of judgment. It's like you bring your stuff and that's okay. And it's actually encouraged for you to be you through that creative medium because the other people get it. And I think comedians as well, right? Comedians just sort of, it seems like, get each other and give permission to bring their own stuff to their comedy. I think these shared interests 
are an easy way to relate to each other, but it, it could also be a stepping stone toward actual polyvagal state shifts. The shared interests are nice as a way to relate to each other. Then the individuality of the shared interest is a, is a way to really actually get to know each other and to co-regulate. And the individuality of these pieces I think is extremely important. And what concerns me is that there, there may be facets of your culture, you know, whatever cultural pieces there are, where the individuality is lessened. What makes you unique is far less important than compliance with the expectations of whatever that group is, which sucks because the pieces of the group, whether it's a creative outlet or an identity piece or a political piece, that's what brings people together. But the individuals within within that group are different than each other. The ultimately, no one is all the same. So if we can come together on these shared interests and then respect each other on the individual level and give each other permission to do our polyvagal state shifts and, and be co-regulators, just like we, we heard here in this clip uh, from Seoul, is that these four people got together from a shared interest, which was uh, jazz, but they respected each other as individual creators within that small group and gave each other literal permission. Dorothea gave literal permission to to Joe to do what he needed to do as far as his self-regulation. And he, and he took, you know, he, he uh, self-regulated all the way back up to his ventral state. I think it's important. I think it's important that we connect maybe on some sort of shared interest or passion or identity piece and then respect each other as individuals within that group. I think it's extremely important. And I think that gets lost and that as soon as an individual deviates from the collective norms or expectations that uh, they may not be welcomed back and they might be shunned, which, well, that doesn't help anyone, I don't think. Once again, though, I do highly recommend you watch Soul from Pixar. It's a really good movie. And if you are interested in learning more about building safety anchors, the link is in the description or just head to justinlmft.com where I have that and a whole bunch of other stuff. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Stuck Not Broken. Bye.